Where arts and culture summit the airwaves. This is the Nine Rails Arts Podcast. My name is Todd Oberndorfer, and with me today is our podcast producer and my Banyan Collective partner in crime, R. Brandon Long. Uh, today, it is just me. I do have a series of co-hosts, and there's a good chance one of them might pop up at some point, in which case I'll introduce them when they do. Uh, in this episode of the Nine Rails Arts Podcast, we're gathered around the Zoom picnic table to discuss Vida, Muerte, Justicia, Life, Death, Justice, an exhibition of 24 Latin American and Latinx contemporary artists whose work corresponds to relevant themes in relation to social and racial justice. The exhibited artists offer local, national, and international perspectives through multiple disciplines, including painting, sculpture, photography, installation, performance, digital art, and I like that the word more is included, like that is so many disciplines already. So mostly we're just gonna focus on the more part, I guess. Uh, Vida Muerte Justicia is presented by Ogden Contemporary Arts in partnership with Weber State University Shaw Gallery and is curated by Jorge Rojas and Maria Del Mar Gonzalez. Today we're joined by Maria Del Mar Gonzalez, Jorge Rojas, Lydia Gravis and Vanessa Castignoli. I'm gonna do a quick introduction Feel free and fill in anything that I leave out. Maria Del Mar Gonzalez, PhD, is an assistant professor of global modern contemporary art history at Weber State University, specializing in the fields of Latin American, Caribbean, and U.S. Latinx art with the research focus on the intersection of art and politics. Her work investigates the interrelations among exhibitions, printmaking, and representation. Her scholarly work and teaching interests extend to socially engaged practices, Decolonization, the history of collecting and museums. Oh my lands, did I leave anything out, Maria Delmar? That's the short version. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll keep it to the short version. If more comes out and we can get to know you a little bit better, that is great. Jorge Rojas is a multidisciplinary artist, independent curator and educator. He studied art at the University of Utah and at Bellas Artes at San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. Rojas uses performance, visual art, and social engagement to examine cultural, social, and mediated forms of communication. His work and curatorial process or projects have been exhibited in museums and galleries nationally and internationally. Anything big I left out of that, Jorge? No, that's great. Thank you. Okay, excellent. All right. Lydia Gravis earned her BA in painting and drawing from Warren Wilson College in Asheville and her MFA in visual art from the Art Institute of Boston at Lesley University. She's worked as gallery director um, right across the hall from my office at the Mary Elizabeth D. Shaw Gallery within the Department of Visual Art and Design at Weber State University since 2014, is that right? Are you muted, Lydia? I don't see a mute, but I can't hear you. Still nothing. Well, you'll get that figured out. I'm gonna head to Vanessa next. Like Lydia, uh, Vanessa Castagnoli is no stranger to the Banyan Collective and the Nine Rails Arts Podcast. I think if we're punching little cards, this is at least your third Nine Rails and we probably chatted even on top of that. Um, she graduated from Weber State University with a BFA in 3D Media. She's the Executive Director of Ogden Contemporary Arts, which is based out of the historic Monarch Building, which is, are you in your office right now, Vanessa, or are you home? No, I'm home. Your home. Brandon is in our studio in the Monarch, so he's representing the Monarch today. Uh, the Monarch is, of course, located in the Nine Rails Creative District. Ogden Contemporary Arts creates and shares globally influenced, culturally diverse, and technologically advanced arts programming. <sighs> Holy smokes, that was amazing. All right, so after those introductions, yes, okay. yes, Thanks. you're back. Whatever you did, did you just turn it off and on? No, there's like four different speaker and microphone options on my setup. and I You to just have to click them all right. All right. Okay, so we have everyone present today. So what I would like to do is I'd like to take us back. Um, and I think what I'll do is I'll start with Lydia. Quick question to Lydia. And so this is a massive project. 
this exhibition is very big. This is a very big, I mean, this is a, this is a, this is an excellent size exhibition for Utah. This is a, a very big exhibition for Ogden. Um, before Ogden Contemporary Arts, uh, exhibitions of this size, I'd say were probably relegated to the Shaw Gallery. Would you say that's right, Lydia? Yeah, between Salt Lake and Logan, I would say usually. And Probably so got a good size exhibition space as well. It does. And so the fact that we have the ability to do projects of this size now in Ogden is thank a uh, big thanks. A big part of that is to the Ogden Contemporary Art Space. And so when you were considering this exhibition, Maria Del Mar and Jorge, was Ogden always going to be the choice for this space? Maria Del Mar, we can start with you if you'd like. I'll let Jorge, because Jorge is Jorge and Vanessa started all of this. Perfect. Yeah, they were it. they were the and it was incepted by them. So yeah. All right, let's start at the beginning. Yeah, so it was always intended to be in Ogden. And um, and that came through an invitation from Vanessa at OCA. Um, and an amazing opportunity to to create an exhibition of Latin American and Latinx artists, both on a local, regional, national, and international level. Um, it, it didn't start out as that. It, it that evolved through conversations and, and really exploring what was possible and, and what the opportunities would be. Um, and I just, I know that Vanessa is, is a, you know, has a kind of a very ambitious vision for OCA. And, uh, and basically it was between our, our initial conversations where we decided that we could uh, take on something like this. Now that, quickly evolved um, after I reached out to uh, Maria del Mar to see if she would like to be involved in the project as a co-curator. And, um, and she uh, generously accepted, which was amazing because of her knowledge in this field of work and study. Uh, and, um, and then uh, that, that's how I think word, you know, got passed around at Weber State University and, 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 uh, Lydia and uh, her colleagues there saw an opportunity to uh, to partner on the exhibition and extend the exhibition uh, into uh, the Shaw Gallery at Weber. Now with those initial conversations, and um, I could probably bring Maria DeMar in at this time, did you put together an initial wish list? Um, how was the scope always at this size? Did it just continue to grow? or did it get smaller from that original conversation? When you bring in, when we're talking this many artists and this many artists talks, this is not something that just happens, um, you know, without, the, without a lot of preparation work. I mean, I, um, it grew. <laughs> it's something that grew. Um, and even some of the artists that we have, um, I mean, what was great was um, that, you know, Jorge and I had like a wish list of artists that we'd come together um, uh, to create. But then some of the artists even referred us to peers of theirs. Um, and so then we, the, our artist list actually ended up growing even more, which was pretty great. Um, so it was a really nice kind of organic um, growth out of that um, in terms of the artist um, selection. Um, in terms of programming, um, I think a lot of it had, to, I don't know, I feel like it just kind of naturally happened, you know, like we'd, we'd, we were going to have two artists on campus, so it kind of made sense to bring them, then we started thinking about, you know, that the show has to do with Latin American and Latinx identities, and that is, um, it's such, um, it's such a current topic, um, and it makes so much sense to, to kind of help introduce an educational component um, to it, especially since it's a nonprofit and a university partnership, um, that we then decided to invite um, Mari Carmen Ramirez, Dr. Mari Carmen Ramirez from the MFA Houston, who's one of the leading um, art historians and curators in the field to help us talk about um, the complexities, um, differences and affinities between these um, identifiers within art. Um, so just things just kept growing. Jorge, do you wanna add anything to that? No, I think, I mean, that covers most of it. I would just say that uh, we did have a wish list. We decided that instead of doing a call out, we would 
reach out to a lot of the artists who we've been following, who we felt who were already doing work around social and racial justice from a Latinx perspective. And that um, we were in, incredibly excited to see that I think 98% of the artists that we reached out to were able to participate. The other you know, two artists, I think, were either had like major, you know, shows at major museums that just didn't have the time to participate. But uh, beyond that, it was uh, very well received, the invitation. And then like, Mari, like Maria del Mar said, to have, it made a lot of sense to bring in um, uh, Tania Candiani uh, from Mexico City um, to, uh, to, to share her work with the, with the community as well as bringing in Guillermo Galindo. Uh, from the Bay Area, also a, a Mexican artist um, living in the Bay Area to come and do a performance. And so it's, I, I just want to say it's been an incredibly kind of like organic, fluid and uh, uh, process working with kind of, we uh, warmly refer to each other as the dream team. I think it's because everyone's just sort of saw the opportunity and, and, and the vision to just kind of adjust to this project that has grown and has received a lot of love and funding and grants and opportunities to make it possible. And I, that's a great transition into the rest of the dream team. And so let us know, um, how does the gallery director sort of fit in with the curatorial sort of positions, right? And so Lydia, when were you brought in as far as collaborating, you know, Weber State's part? Vanessa, obviously you were part of some of those initial conversations. And then how much of that discussion goes back and forth as far as what you both Vanessa and Lydia, both what you're looking for and what Maria Del Mar and Jorge are looking for. Lydia, if I could start with you. So <clears throat> I really just want to give credit to Vanessa here for reaching for, for having the vision to organize this exhibition for our community. And then, you know, reaching out uh, to everyone that's involved here in this group. She or originally reached out to the Shaw Gallery um, I think it was February or March. And um, originally it was really just a conversation about um, kind of host, maybe hosting some lectures in our lecture room or, um, you know, fiscally kind of sponsoring or contributing to, to the programming in some sense. It was kind of a, there was a, a basic idea of what the exhibition was going to involve or in, include at that point. But it, it was a beautiful opportunity for the Shaw Gallery to get involved because, you know, we're turning 20 in May. And so I've been doing a lot of thought about, you know, the last 20 years, even though I haven't been here the whole 20 years, but in the next 20 years. And so really what's on my mind as a gallery director is, you know, audience engagement and artist representation. Who, who are we supporting? Who are we, whose voices are we elevating? Things of that nature. And so programming, increasing programming for the Latin, Amer Latin American and Latinx community in Ogden is very important for our future at the Shaw Gallery. And, and doing it collaboratively is even more of an opportunity to, to be involved in that cultural fabric here in Ogden. And so, you know, with 31% of our population in Ogden being classified as Hispanic or um, Latino, you know, it's, the, voice, the, the voices of our community are amplified through the vision and the voices of these artists and curators. And so um, this wasn't an opportunity to be missed. And so when, when someone invites you to be involved um, in something of this much meaning and importance to our local landscape, and also the opportunity to come together and join resources and, and our our respective superpowers as individuals and organizations. I think it was really. You say exciting. yes. You say yes, and then you get the details you don't, later. You don't turn that yeah. down. You say yes, and then you get busy, right? So, yeah. um, Vanessa, I want to turn it over to you because really, we should we should start with you and your vision, and and I'd love to hear more about the beginning. Yeah, thank you, Lydia. You're you're very sweet, and I'm I'm just so appreciative to Weber State, the Shaw Gallery, and Lydia for, for joining Ogden Contemporary Arts in this massive project. Um, it really did grow much larger than any of us thought it would. <laughs> um, and, you know, Todd, to go back to your original question, um, you know, what part a, a director, a gallery director has in this? And, 
you know, when you're hiring curators, I see my job as, um, as support. Like I'm here to support Jorge and Maria Del Mar to do, to execute at the highest level. Right. I made it pretty clear that, you know, I, I did want to bring in internationally recognized artists. I thought that was very important. I also, uh, feel like it's important to uh, bring in local creatives, local artists to work alongside of all of us in this, in this project. And I'm sure all, all three, all, all four of us will tell you that there are a lot of moving parts. <laughs> we have a lot of support outside of just the, the four of us from videographers, photographers to um, translators and editors and designers. And I mean, the list just goes on and on PR that, you know, it's a, it's a community project. It's not just one person. So um, really, I just see my role as support and making sure that I can keep all the parts moving and, and making it happen. Thank you so much. Um, that's, I don't know how you all do what you do, um, but I appreciate it. How's that? Um, the more, more than anything, what I'd like to talk about now is the theme of the show. The title is Life, Death, Justice. Um, was this the start of this initial conversation or did that come after the fact, after sort of we're going to bring together this group of artists? Um, if you could both talk about that, Maria Del Mar and Jorge. Sure. Um, so I'll just start by saying that uh, the, initial, the, the initial opportunity was when Vanessa reached out to saying, hey, um, you know, the Dia de los Muertos celebration has just been blowing up here in Ogden. And, and certainly right before COVID hit, there was, I think you had like the first annual Dia, uh, Dia de los Muertos celebration, which just was, I think, uh, surprised everybody how, how great it went and how, how much turnout there was for it. And so um, Vanessa wanted to contribute to a citywide um, festival around Dia de los Muertos this year um, through OCA and asked me if I would be willing to curate something. And, you know, um, I said, let me think about it. Well, first of all, I knew I wanted to work with Vanessa and I knew I wanted to work on the show. I just wasn't sure that I wanted to do a show about Dia de los Muertos. And not because I don't, I, you know, I'm from Mexico. I love the tradition. I love uh, the heritage and the cultural event, but I, I saw a broader opportunity to reflect on you know, this very challenging year that we had all gone through, through COVID, and then thinking about all the different movements that had been going on around Black Lives Matter and social and racial justice. And I thought, what if we, let's do an exhibition that connects to themes of death and life, but why don't we do it through a lens of, of justice um, and really highlighting perspectives from Latin American Latinx artists. So that's how, that's how the, the, the theme came to be. Um, I proposed the name Vida Muerte Justicia. You'll notice that we always privilege the Spanish translation first and then secondary in, in English. That's on purpose, as is the fact that we're translating all of our materials, including a, a wonderful digital catalog that will be available in the coming weeks. And so, yeah, and so we all, we, you know, we all talked about it as a team and, and, and realized that, yes, that was the right name and that was the right theme and that was the right uh, project for all of us and for our missions. And then, so once you had the theme, the title, had the artist conversation or the conversation about which artists you were going to bring in, had that already started or did this help decide who you were going to bring in? Um, <laughs> we... Can you repeat the question, the order of the question, just so that I- Of course, it. no, absolutely. And so now that we have the theme um, yeah. discussed, uh, Vida Muerte Justicia. So did the discussion about which artists you were gonna bring in happen before or after that conversation? So we had, the, we had, a, we had a general concept, um, which, helped, which helped lead then the conversation which artists to bring in. Um, and so we, we, we created a, a, a short, kind of a short proposal abstract of what the project concept would be. Um, and we had created, uh, Jorge and I came together and created our like wish list separately. Um, and the fun part was that when we shared it, we had a ton of overlap 
on the artists that we both wanted. And I remember keeps, I, I remember saying to Horry, this is like too easy. We're like, things are coming together too easily. Like we're thinking too much alike at this moment. So we came together um, and, and reached out to the artists with the concept, um, knowing that a lot of the artists, right, that we wanted to address these issues in their work. And so then the artists came back to us and sent us work that they thought um, fit in within the concept. Um, they sent us several examples of work, which was really kind of really fun for us to then go through and, and talk about like how it would fit and which ones we thought fit better um, within within the concept or not. And then like I so, said, we actually no had good. a few, oh, sorry. And then I said, no um, we had about one or two artists that then came through us to us because the artists we'd invited were like, hey, this show, like we love this idea. And I have a friend who's working on something that I think fits in really nicely um, into what you're doing. And if you didn't know their work, this is their work. Um, and so then a few more artists came along. So that was pretty great. But as Jorge mentioned before, when we were doing this, we were really thinking about how we wanted to represent or which groups of people we wanted to represent. So we wanted to make sure that we had our local artists speaking, um, national artists, but also international artists, showing, so showing these intersectionalities um, between these ideas. Jorge. Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback off of that. That's exactly true and right. And I just wanted to say that uh, both Maria del Mar and I shared a, an interest in take, having the opportunity through this exhibition to really think as broadly as we could uh, in terms of identity around, around what it means to be Latin American or Latinx in, t in today's age. And so we were thinking you know, uh, Caribbean, you know, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. We were thinking about generational folks who were come from those from the Caribbean, but were born in New York. And so, you know, like New Yorkian or, or Dominican York. Uh, we were also thinking about Chicano. So we were thinking about the West Coast and we we're thinking about the, the, the Chicano movement and history uh, there uh, with artists like Harry Gamboa Jr., but also thinking about, uh, you know, just international artists from from uh, Argentina, from uh, from Chile, from Mexico, uh, Guatemala, and so on and so forth. Right. So it was really that I I think that one of the things I'm most proud about this project is the fact that we were able to attract artists um, in such a broad way, an international way, um, thinking about uh, these issues through their own Latin American Latinx lenses. And then to add to that, um, you know, I, I mentioned intersectionality. So we were thinking about identities and, as intersectionalities, but we were also thinking about generational um, um, intersectionalities, right? So we have a group of, 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 of multi-generational and we have artists who are, you know, who would be categorized as emerging artists and we have other artists who, who are, you know, representing their country's internationally, like Dania Candiani represented Mexico at the Venice Biennale. She's now been selected for the 2022 Sydney Biennale. <clears throat> Guillermo Galindo was recently at Documenta 14. Um, Harry Gamboa is collected by all the major museums, right? So he's like at the Whitney uh, Museum. So we were thinking about, about how, to, how to bring all of these intersections um, to Ogden and how to how to, how to bring awareness um, and how to help our community feel seen um, through all of these artists and spoken with is one of the things that I always stress, right? Spoken with, not spoken to. And so let's talk a little bit about the artists that were selected. Um, what was the final number of artists that are involved with this show? 24. 24, 24 is a nice, that's a nice big, even number it. So let, we landed on 24. And so if we were to choose a few of those artists to talk about, um, would that be okay with you? Yeah, I'm gonna stress. Uh, so we have 22 at OCA and two on campus at Weaver. So that's how it ended up breaking down. Oh, gotcha. And so maybe if we could talk about one of the artists at, um, at Weaver, and then if you could select just a few others just so we can get to know them a little bit better. I'd love to be able to talk about all 24, but it'll be a little bit longer show. And so if we could choose just a selection, um, again, maybe talk a little bit about the work that was chosen, 
I'd just like to get to know them just a little bit better. Um, Jorge, could you maybe choose an artist that we could talk about for a minute? Yeah, sure. I'll, so just quickly, um, I'll just say, you know, I, get, I want to bring up Guillermo Galindo and highlight him because he's coming next week. So I'm hoping that this podcast is up and live by then so that people can uh, also uh, feel uh, invited um, and to know about it. But uh, Guillermo Galindo is going to be performing uh, Sonic Borders 3, where he uses objects that are found along the border between the United States and Mexico. And then he creates these symphonies and soundscapes uh, that explore themes of displacement, migration, and culture. He's amazing. Uh, I, he, he, is cons- he, he describes himself as a composer, sonic architect, performance artist, and visual media artist. And he is all those things. And, uh, you know, what I love about his work is that he, is, he, he really can think about what are the stories that have not been told and how have they been hidden? or how have they been left out of the the narratives? And so it's really, what he does is he, I I consider him like a healer and a a shamanic figure who actually takes these objects, is is able to find energies in them and turn them into musical instruments and then perform them. Um, It's, when I was at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts, I think it was five, Years ago, six years ago, we brought him to the Utah Museum of Fine Arts, and I got to, um, to, to we got to see him perform there. And and his work just feels as relevant today, uh, and as important uh, as ever. But uh, so yeah, that's I just want to bring his his work. So he'll he'll be performing this this coming Wednesday at six p.m. at the Allred Theater at Weber State University's uh, Browning Center. Thursday, Thursday the twenty eighth. I say Wednesday. I'm sorry, Thursday. Thank you. Thursday the 28th. Now I want to get into sonic architecture. That's what I want to do now. I love the sound of that. He's a sonic architect. That's, that's amazing. All right. So um, Maria Del Mar, any standout artists that you'd like to talk about? I mean, they're all standout. So that's I know I hate part. to, I don't know how to word it. If you were to just choose a name out of a hat. There, I'm gonna, um, I'll mention Sherezad Garcia just because her work is so pertinent to current events. So we have um, this beautiful paper installation painting um, piece by Sherezad Garcia titled Corona Altar. Um, and Corona is a reference to, of course, the coronavirus, but it also makes reference to a crown. Um, and it's because the central figure in this um, in this um, paper altar piece that she's created um, is instead of a virgin like we're used to seeing um, in an altar piece um, is is the Statue of Liberty, um, and it's a brown Statue of Liberty um, making reference to um, to immigration. And it also has these really beautiful kind of waterscape panels on it, and it also makes reference to immigration, um, right? across the water, specifically Sherezad is a Dominican artist. So she's thinking about Caribbean people, um, right? And so flying over to New York. And, this, and the Statue of Liberty, of course, is this is this symbol of hope for immigrants, right? When they arrive to the United States. Um, but unfortunately, as we've seen throughout um, the COVID, the whole COVID um, outbreak um, throughout the United States, we've seen a disproportionate amount of communities of color and immigrants being affected um, and dying at higher rates um, than others. And so she created this really beautiful moving piece um, that um, we've activated with candles and flowers and photographs um, from loved ones who've passed away to commemorate these these lives that we have lost. Um, The piece um, is almost a modular piece. So it's different pieces of paper that makes reference to papel picado, um, which is a a Mexican tradition often associated with the Day of the Dead. Um, And so it's just this really beautiful, very moving piece that um, I've been fortunate to be um, within the space when community members walk in and it really speaks to them, even if they're, you know, not Latino or Latin American or Catholic, it just really brings people in and they really connect with the piece quite beautifully. It's become a community altar as well. And, and, and many of us here on the call, as well as members of the community have brought uh, pictures of our dearly deceased or loved ones who are no longer with us. And um, so I think that that sort of just 
kind of happened naturally when people saw this altar they're like i'd like to bring something and contribute to it so there's candles and flowers and photos vanessa Thank you, Jorge. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on it. I had a group of sixth graders from Valley Elementary come in the other day, and um, I was really surprised on how um, how well uh, the trip went. I had um, a large group of students ask me for pieces of paper and pen and a pen so they could write a name of the loved one that they lost and and put the piece of paper at the altar. And oh, I mean, it was just it you know, heart wrenching, right? But to see to see our youth get so involved and be so connected to a piece that they wanna, um, you know, contribute to it. And, um, you know, the artist also, Sherasad also has requested that, you know, our community does participate and bring in fo uh, photographs of loved ones. So this first Friday is the perfect time to do that. That's November 4th, I think. So, so if you're yeah. listening and this, this is airs before then, um, please bring photos of your loved ones. So I, I took, uh, I brought two of my classes in. Vanessa opened up for me on a Monday. And one of my students mentioned, oh, I wish I'd thought of bringing a picture. And I said, no, please do, right? Come back for First Friday. Um, and we will be kind of reactivating the piece. And it's been, it's had a, like I said, it's, it's really beautifully, like people have really connected with it. That's a, that's a nice little transition into my next um, topic. And that is the additional events um, and public engagement programming that was part of this show. I think that you're pointing in a different Lydia. direction. Yeah. Oh, oh I, no. Lydia's going to be brought into this question. I wanted sure. to, could I add something to the last thread? Oh, talk? Lydia, of course, of course. So I just think, you know, I think we are all believers that the arts and humanities are, are the conduit through which the world is going to respond to this collective trauma and grief that we've all experienced through what's happened in the last nearly two years. And so I just think to be able to come together and do a show that's so timely is really remarkable. And Jorge and I were talking about this at the opening, actually. So often in the, the art and museum world, artists and institutions respond to events that are really impactful on a broad scale. And they, they curate a show and they put together an exhibition and it travels. And it's a remarkable response but oftentimes there's a delay. So there's, you know, a one or two year delay between what's happening and the artists are responding to and how the institutions can get it out there to an audience. And so I, I'm just so excited that, that we were able to, as two institutions, come together, organizations, and do such a timely exhibition that's still like, it's just so in the moment as far as content goes and artistic response. And I think that's really the benefit of our, the size of our, um, you know, the staffing and, and the, the, the gallery spaces. And I mean, so often personnel size is looked at as like, um, a, a, you know, something that draw, has a drawback. That's always a drawback. But in this case, I think having a team, a, a, a core group of four people um, has really been an asset to be able to do such a timely exhibition. So that's all I want to say. I wanted to add a few things to that, if that's okay. Of <laughs> We're course. Directing your next question. So yeah, I mean, like Lydia said, usually, usually a project like this um, would not have a few months turnaround like we did, right? It would, it would take a year. Usually it's two years because um, you're doing your research and you have to slot it in and you have to involve all these parties. There's a ton of bureaucracy involved. So we were able to turn it really quickly. But I, I did want to talk about another piece that I've noticed a lot of community response to as well. And it's the piece that's right next to um, Shadesad's piece. And it's Michael Privich's Essential. Um, and so this, the, that's the work that is, um, it's this, um, how would I describe it? The what? The circular sculptures? Yeah, so it's the it's the hanging sculptural pieces, right? They're these um, kind of wheels, spheric um, pieces made out of cotton gloves. 
um, right? So the title essential makes makes reference to um, to essential workers or or people who became essential workers during during the COVID pandemic, right? And so they're brown workers gloves that are usually used in field work or factory work. Um, and so it, it seems like a like a, a minimalist piece when you first see it, right? But then when you notice the materials, you make those connections. And so I had a student go in um, and tell me that she connected with that piece because she when she saw it, she immediately recognized the material. Um, her father is an immigrant from Mexico. And so she was telling me that those are her, the gloves her dad wears to work every single day, right? And so that piece became um, extremely personal to her. And those are exactly the types of connections that we want our community to be making with this work, right? We want them to feel like this is a work for our community. And it's a true labor of love. Um, that we've we've put out there and we really want everybody to connect with. So that's my little bit on another work of art. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that story. That's everything. That just means everything. All right. Now, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to cut off any any delicious little stories. But that being said, I do want to address all of the additional events and programming, which is such a big part of this show. Uh, and that's something that you are all involved in uh, to some degree. And so if anyone has any comments about the importance of the additional community engagement through events. I do arts outreach um, through Weber State. And so I know, you know how important that is to, to bring in the community to sort of introduce them in some capacity. And so the ways that you have done this through a series of, and I was trying to count it on the site, but it looks like at least one, two, three, four additional. And these are no small Beats, just putting those together. Was that always important as well? Making sure that you have the, that extra connection to the artist? I mean, yeah, the, the, this kind of educational component is extremely important. I mean, Jorge comes from, um, Jorge was the director of education at UMFA and he's, he's a true educator at heart. And, you know, the rest of us wanted, um, wanted these educational components. Um, so we were trying to figure out how to round out the programming for the show, right? And so I, I mentioned earlier that we kind of kicked it off with um, Dr. Mari Carmen Ramirez's talk about um, Latin American and Latinx identities, which really kind of helped, I think really helped kind of set an understanding of, of what we meant by these identities, um, kind of help our, our audience understand more. It's one of those things that people are always asking me, like, what do you mean by Latinx? Like, what's that X even stand for? And so that really kind of helped it. We had a great turnout. Um, it was a virtual event um, at that, you know, it was our, we started with a virtual event. All the other events will hopefully be in person. And so that was a super exciting one. Guillermo Galindo, we always knew we wanted him to come do a performance piece. I mean, it's, it's, his work is amazing. And especially if you get to see it activated, right? And if you see him working through it. Um, and so we wanted um, to bring Guillermo Galindo. The other artist that we are bringing is Tania Candiani. And she's the other artist who's being exhibited on campus. And the piece, the specific work that we chose of hers is titled El Tiempo es Otro Rio. And it's, uh, it's this virtual rendition of historic protests. She worked on that piece with students. So we just, Jorge and I decided this is like perfect, right? For a university, like it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a student sourced work of art. Um, and so we wanted to bring her then to talk about that process and talk about her experience. It only happened that after we selected her, she got selected for Sydney. So now we get to, you know, it's pretty amazing. We, we get to celebrate um, that. And then the final, um, the final one of our events will be a curatorial talk that Jorge and I will be leading. So we'll talk about the process and go a bit more in depth about the works of art. So we thought that was a fairly good rounded out program. Of course, funding and, and time-wise, we would have loved to continue adding more things, but we also need to keep in mind uh, people's bandwidth to be able to organize and uh, attend events. Yeah, I'll just say uh, to piggyback off of that, I think it's already a very ambitious program. I mean, the, the exhibition by itself was really ambitious to add this program to it and partnership. 
I mean, it required grants and marketing and writing and images and, and um, coordinating and venues. And so um, I, I'm okay with the size of this program um, and, and very, very proud actually that we were all able to, to put this together. I wanna to give a shout out to Lydia and her team for uh, carrying uh, a huge part of the weight and to Maria del Mar as well over there at Weber. Um, I, I just wanted to piggyback about Tanya Candiani since her event is coming up. So um, Tanya is actually, she's a Guggenheim Fellow. She also got invited to the Cuenca Biennial. So that's a third biennial, I think at least, that she's participating in. So she's kind of this, you know, meteor into in, in the art world right now. Um, not everybody knows about Tanya Candiani. So this is a great opportunity for our community across Utah, especially in Ogden, to come and hear from, from this very visionary uh, uh, artist um, that we have the honor of, of hosting. Um, yeah, and so I just wanted to throw that in. I think anytime we can do programming that that supports the actual exhibition experience for the audience, it, it provides breadcrumbs of understanding to people trying to make connections with the work. And it also, like, it's very important, I think, to students and to other artists and to general audience and community to kind of demystify the processes and the inspiration ideas that drive the work. And so, you know, we, we run a visiting artist and scholar lecture series at the Shaw Gallery each year. And um, Marie Carmen and Tanya's uh, talks, along with the curatorial talk, are all part of that series. And so, you know, I love, I love the idea, especially of bringing in the curators, because I think people crave an understanding of like, how does this all come together? How did the magic happen here? You know, it's kind of like a formal um, extension of what we're doing right here in, in dialogue with each other. But I have to say that like this, the amount of programming that we're doing, I agree. It's, I think it's very ambitious. The Shaw Gallery has four exhibitions this semester, four openings and eight events. And so we're pretty, we're pretty excited about how uh, robust things are this fall and, and that we were able to do uh, this, but only through partnership. And I also want to just say this doesn't happen without a lot of generous financial backing. And so, um, you know, we were able to bring in Guillermo for for an extended visit to work with students, to share with the community in a formal theater setting. That was made possible financially through our Dean of Arts and Humanities and um, the, um, the Browning Presents program at Weber State, which is an endowed uh, program to support bringing in performers and presenters to our community who you know, don't, don't live here. And then, you know, we've got some some private donors, too, that really help support the lecture series. And um, those are local donors. And then, you know, we've got Jim and Marianne Jacobs. We've got Jack and Bonnie Wallen. And then Ogden City Arts. Um, the Shaw Gallery was able to actually extend an Ogden City Arts grant from last year that was because of COVID. We, you know, we weren't able to spend it down. And so Ogden City Arts generously allowed us to extend it to this year which provided our, you know, a lot of our financial support for, for, for some of this programming too. So it, it takes a, it takes a lot of people and also a lot of money to, to program these. And I think we're, we're very fortunate, grateful, and ex, um, excited that we had all of that to come, to come together to present it. So. Yeah. If you don't mind while we're talking about yeah. donors. No, <laughs> I might well throw out um, our wonderful donors, donors at Ogden Contemporary Arts. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, it's the Elizabeth Firestone Graham Foundation. They're a foundation out of New York, and we sent a, a letter of, of interest to them, um, and they were um, really excited about Ogden Contemporary Arts. One of their trustees is familiar with Ogden, with Ogden in general and our art scene that's evolving. And, um, you know, they came through big on our end. We certainly wouldn't have been able to do it to, to the level we, we did execute it on um, without their, their help. We also have Weber County Ramp, who's a huge contributor to Ogden Contemporary Arts. And Ogden City, they contributed on our end as well. We also have the Utah Office of Tourism, who comes in pretty big for our, um, for our marketing funds. So lots of donors, <laughs> takes a village. 
So I, I wanted to add something real quick. Um, so as a new faculty member at Weber, this was super exciting um, because one of the reasons I was hired was to kind of help expand the global aspect of art history. Um, and so I've, I've already developed a few new classes. So, you know, I already have approved a Latin America class, which I'm teaching right now, which was really nice. The show, when I decided to teach the class that, you know, it wasn't on purpose. It just kind of aligned uh, per perfectly with the show. And next semester, I'll be teaching a Latinx art class. And this is the first time that these classes are ever taught at Weber. So that's super exciting. And these will connect really nicely to Weber announcing that they're, um, that they're plant, that they will be becoming um, an emerging Hispanic serving institution. Um, and so I think that's a really nice kind of tie-in to our community and to the vision that the university leadership has and how, how we're helping, um, how we're, we're helping lead that vision with, with a project like this. And so obviously we've, we've addressed a lot of this incredible hard work that happened in such a short, short period of time. We are now about, I know a little bit less than a month into it. Um, how, how has the response been? How do all of you feel after being able to just sort of process this, maybe enjoy it a little bit more so um, as far as taking a deep breath goes? And then what are you looking forward to the most over this next month because we still have the exhibition goes through the end of November. Am I correct? I was double 27th, checking the date. The 27th. 27th. Okay. So we're about halfway through it now. And so sort of one last comment, because I want to talk to you guys forever, but we're kind of wrapping things up now, but I would love to get the, uh, a final word on your response to the show now that it has been up for a while and what you're looking forward to over the next month in regards to the show itself. And I'd love to start with you, Jorge, if I could. Sure. Um, gosh, I have so many things I want to share, but I know we're running out of time. I guess what I'll say is, um, I, you know, I'd love to hear from Vanessa and Lydia about the, the actual, uh, you know, folks that are coming into the spaces to experience the work. But I can just say that um, the, the interest in the exhibition, the reception and the coverage has been amazing. I mean, like, really, really a phenomenal. We've had, uh, you know, every major publication in town that is that is interested in the project, that is writing about it, either has written about it or is starting to write about it. Um, we've had international coverage, uh, what probably the leading art and culture magazine out of Mexico City called Terremoto um, has, has covered the, the project and has been promoting it. There's a, a there's a lot of buzz. I, I I think around the exhibition when you have 24 artists that are all over the place that are promoting the exhibition. It's, there's a kind of wonderful, uh, you know, spread of of, of uh, knowledge and information about the exhibition. And I think the artists have expressed uh, a lot of pride in being a part of the exhibition and of the timeliness of this exhibition. And so. Yeah, I mean, the reception has been amazing. Um, since this is my, my last two cents, I just wanted to add to what Maria del Mar was saying around the education component. Um, one of our main goals for this exhibition was to make sure that we would help make contemporary art accessible to the broadest audience and community. And that is a, always a challenge and that is always an opportunity. And so the work is, we believe has, is it, it has so much opportunity for people to have conversations about the importance around these issues and how it reflects on our own migration, on our own uh, social political issues, on our own identities. And so I just wanted to say that, you know, I hope that the whole Ogden community, K through 12, college students, seniors, that everyone comes and, and I think everyone will feel like there is something that's very much there for them. Um, and not just our Latin American community. This is for everybody. Um, so I just wanted to, to end on that note. Thank you, Jorge. Maria Del Mar? Yeah, so jumping off of what Jorge just said, right, it's, it's for everybody. I mean, these are, these are universal themes if you really think about it, right? The, the exhibition revolves around the idea of, of life, death, and justice, right? And this isn't just something that Latin American and Latinx artists um, and the community are thinking about, right? This is these are these, these kind of themes that throughout the entirety of the history of art, of, of art we see emerge um, throughout different cultures. Um, so it's something that we think 
um, everybody will connect, um, will connect with. It's funny, I'm just getting text messages from our translator, um, which then lets me kind of jump into the part that Jorge was talking about, making it accessible, right? It's been, it was extremely important for us to make the show be accessible um, across communities and make it bilingual. And so we have a professional translator translating the show for us, right? We wanted that to be a priority. So we wanted a professional translator. I mean, Jorge and I could have probably tried to translate everything, but we wanted that to be pro. So, so that was really important um, to us. I'll stop here. I'll let everybody else talk just because I feel I've been talking a lot, um, but I might jump in a bit later. Vanessa, you want to go ahead? Happy to. Um, so moving on from that accessibility um, point that Maria Del Mar just made, I did just have our entire gallery um, scanned with the Matterport camera. So there will be a virtual walkthrough available likely next week of Ogden Contemporary Arts. And I know that Lydia is planning to do the same with her, her per, portion of the show. Um, so that's pretty exciting. So for those of you that you know aren't ready to come out because COVID is still a thing, you can walk through the gallery just like you were there in person, just on your computer. I mean, you can get so close with this technology that you can just see the brush strokes and the and the paintings and the details really incredible. So be on the lookout for that. There's also, um, I'm really excited about November 1st through November 5th because it's Ogden's Day of the Dead celebration. The, the whole week is, is dedicated to Day of the Dead. So I'm really excited about that in our first Friday and really seeing our community get excited. We've got field trips coming in. I mean, I just had 90 students from a sixth grade class come through. Um, I've got uh, George Washington High School coming through next week. And I've seen all the university, all of Weber State's classes start to come through. So on Jorge's point, we are getting that K through 12 coming through and that's and and beyond coming through. So it's really exciting to see our entire community walking through our doors. Thank you, Vanessa. Lydia? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I, everything that Vanessa and Jorge and Maria Del Mar have said so far is just resonates and rings true. Um, from my perspective, we've had nearly a thousand visitors since the show opened at our at our location. And, and the Shaw Gallery has two spaces. It has a main space, which is featuring our faculty show, our fa biennial faculty show right now. And then we have our project space, which has Guillermo and Tanya's work in it right now. And so it's always great to see, you know, what audience numbers are like and you know, if there's, un if there's familiar faces or unfamiliar faces coming through the door, it's always great to find out how, you know, how did you hear about this show? And, you know, have you been here before and those sorts of things. But one thing that really stood out to me with um, our first programming event, the virtual lecture with um, Dr. Marie Carmen Ramirez was, as I was looking at the participant list on the webinar, there were so many names I didn't recognize as far as Utah art audience. And so, the, the beauty of COVID from a gallery programming perspective is that it's it's forced us to create that accessibility, like through the Matter, Matterport tour that Vanessa just mentioned. But I love that, that people could log on from anywhere in the world and listen to this webinar. And um, it's almost available online. We're doing some final edits with the, with the lecture itself so we can post it for people who weren't able to log in live. But I'm really excited for people to do the same for Guillermo's performance, for Tanya's lecture, for the, uh, Maria Del Mar and Jorge's lecture. And so that's one thing I'm hoping is that the hybrid offerings of the next three events are definitely taken advantage of from an audience perspective. I'd love to see some school groups come up through the Shaw Gallery as well. And maybe we could do like um, a multi-location a multi, a multi -location tour with some, some buses for the local districts. But more than anything, I hope that people um, find resonance in the in the work. I think it's a perfect balance between wonder and resonance. It's something that's very important to me as a programmer. You want people to have a sense of wonder with what they're experiencing in the space. And then you want, want it to have a ripple effect of resonance uh, as the content kind of simmers in their mind and the experience simmers in their mind. So I'm, I'm just hoping that that continues. I think it's already started. I think this has been a very meaningful exhibition for our audience. And um, I just want to, I want to end with my philosophy about contemporary art. I believe there are two kinds of people in the world. 
those who love contemporary art and those who just don't know that they love contemporary art. And so my hope is for both categories of folks to uh, enjoy and experience this exhibition. And for those of you listening who maybe don't realize you are a contemporary art appreciator, I encourage you to do a couple things when you when you visit our gallery spaces. So the first thing I recommend that you do is read the label information next to the work. And this sounds kind of basic, but you this is good. This is good instructional kind of info for gallery visitors, right? So read the label information, look at the title of the work, the materials made, but also read the artist statement. First, read the curatorial statement on the wall that welcomes the visitors and sets the stage. And so I just wanna encourage everyone who experiences this exhibition to take the time to walk on the bridge of understanding that the curators and artists have made for you through the text that's accompanying the, the object-based or experiential work that's in, in the galleries. On that note, bridges of understanding, breadcrumbs of knowledge. Oh my gosh, Lydia, you are just on one today and I appreciate it so much. This has been the Nine Rails Arts Podcast. Uh, again, we've been talking about Vida, Muerte, Justicia, Life, Death, Justice, which is presented by Ogden Contemporary Arts in partnership with Weber State University Shaw Gallery, uh, curated by Jorge Rojas and Maria Del Mar Gonzalez. Thank you so much for your time, Jorge, Maria Del Mar, Vanessa, and Lydia. Uh, the show is running, or has run, if you're listening to this a year from now, October 1st through November 27th, 2021. Um, we'll get this out as quick as we can. Enjoy the last of the show. Any last comments? I see a hand from Maria Del Mar. Well, I just want to um, reiterate that a, a bilingual digital catalog will be coming out. Um, so that will kind of help. Well, well, we'll have these great... Uh, virtual tours, but we'll also have that to kind of complement the virtual tours coming out and kind of help help disseminate knowledge on and on POC, a lot of, a lot of the materials. Um, again, um, just piggybacking off of what Lydia said, a lot of the programming will also be, all of the programming um, will be held in person and also virtually, and we will be recording it and sharing that um, just in case people cannot make it on the, at the moment, which will again kind of help spread that knowledge and document it, right? The archiving just to kind of connect it back to Tania Candiani's project of archiving. Um, it's so important. Um, and we just wanna, we want the show to kind of amplify these important voices and raise the awareness among our community and hopefully help, you know, inspire action and help create a community of healing. Cause we've, we've gone through some really difficult moments this past 21st century. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a show full of of hope is the way that I see it. I think, Jorge, you can speak to this a little bit more, but I, I dare say this is a, a first of its kind in Utah. Would you agree with that? Is that? Yes. I would love to hear about that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jorge, I'm going to let you speak to that if that's some, a statement you, you think um, is accurate. Yeah, I, sorry. I know. I know we're trying to wrap up the show, so. I, 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 <laughs> but, uh, but you know, as long as you don't cut us off, I'm, we're going to keep talking. Nope, obviously. Nope, uh, uh, no, I, I, no, I think that's absolutely right. Um, um, the the only thing that I've seen that's even similar to it is when I first started working at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts was a museum a, a museum show that was coming from the Smithsonian, um, and it was called Our America, and uh, it was. Uh, you know, from the Smithsonian collection of, of Latin American Latinx art, which is a fantastic show, and I was really proud to work on it. But this is the only show of its kind as far as its um, its uh, size and the fact that it's curated locally, yeah, and uh, that it's uh, that it's also including local artists, which, by the way, adds so much because one thing is to have national and international perspectives, but when you when you have a lens into these issues from a local perspective and you're thinking about identity and migration and uh, or immigration and you know police brutality, there's all of these things that are being addressed from a very local specific lens. It's just it's it's very special and, and by design. Um, so yeah, no, this is a this is a world-class museum level quality exhibition um, that we've all worked very hard and put a lot of love into making and, and, and bringing to our community. I should probably ask after the fact, but now I'm curious, uh, how, I mean, has there been discussions about taking a show like this 
outside of Ogden? Is that, I mean, is that a possibility? I, I know that we're, we're talking about Ogden, you know, sort of based programming, but when a show really hits on all those cylinders, is that something that could be an option? It, it is. We're, uh, we're exploring some possibilities for it to travel um, either across the state or, or, or nationally. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we've been so busy just getting the show up and running and with all the programs, we haven't dedicated a lot of time to it. But um, I do believe there's a lot of interest um, in, 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 in the possibility of traveling the show. It's just tricky because, as we said before, people plan out their programming, you know, two, three years out sometimes. But um, I think there's a lot of venues that would be uh, very excited to bring this exhibition to their, to their, to their cities and communities. Okay, perfect. Any last last comments i mean hopefully people will hear this before the show closes and we'll able to we'll be able to come by um both oca and weber state um see see the see the shows in in person but also uh join us um at the at the public events that we will be ho um, hosting um in person and virtually so that's kind of my I, closing bit uh We'll be there, I promise. Uh, Jorge, Maria Del Mar, Vanessa, Lydia, thank you so much for your time. Um, this is Sad Oberndorfer. This conversation has been super, super popular with my cat, Henry. And so obviously I apologize for his appearance. But for some reason, this conversation, he can't get enough of. So on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Yes, you understand, exactly. <laughs> Have a great thank weekend. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, thank Todd. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Nine Rails Arts Podcast, produced by the Banyan Collective, arts and adventure podcasting since 2010. Don't miss an episode of the Banyan Collective's Nine Rails Arts Podcast, as we explore what it means to be an adventurous creative. Hear the stories of Ogden's new Nine Rails Creative District, recorded from the Banyan Collective Studio, located in the district's epicenter and home of artisans, designers, and creatives, the Monarch Building. Follow the Nine Rails Arts Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at number nine rails. That's nine rails. For more from the Banyan Collective, search The Banyan Collective on Apple's podcast app, Spotify, and YouTube. This week, we'll leave you with a little something from Van Sessions. Banyan Collective's podcast and music series recorded live during Ogden's first Friday art stroll at the Monarch Building. Now returning to the van, this is Michelle Moonshine. Yeah. Mm -hmm.